Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Fansided's National NFL Insider, host of the Matt Lombardo Show podcast on Fansided. Matt, welcome. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Steve, great to catch up with you, my man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate that very much. All right, so... Uh, obviously, I'm sitting here where the combine was, literally across the street from my hotel uh, last week. What was the general impression you got? I got the impression from people that quarterbacks aside, there's some depth in this draft. Did you walk away with that impression? Yeah, you know, you look at what happened out in Indianapolis, Steve, and I think that a lot of the question marks about the quarterbacks from people inside the league are really justified. I think there's real questions about Kenny Pickett's upside, especially if he winds up at Old Weather City. That just seems to be the narrative, even though he did have a lot of success at Pitt. When you look at the, the breadth and the depth of the pass rusher class, the defensive back class, the linebackers, the offensive linemen at the top of the board, you know, you talk to people inside the league and there's value from picks 1 through 50 or 1 through 65. It, it, it's very tight through those first two or three rounds in a way that we haven't seen in a number of years. But I'll be really fascinated, Steve, to see what plays out through the course of free agency at the quarterback position. We saw it yesterday with blockbuster trade that sent Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. But I think you're going to see a lot of teams spending a lot of money in free agency and trading a lot of resources to get a veteran quarterback because executives and coaches are really skeptical not only about this year's class, but the quarterbacks will be in the 2023 draft as well. What did the trade between the Broncos and the Seahawks say about the Broncos, and what did it say about Seattle? Yeah, Steve, I wrote about this in my weekly national column on fansided.com today. I think that it was a signal that the Seattle Seahawks have waved the white flag. And you saw that late last night when they released Bobby Wagner coming off a career high, 170 tackles. He's going to land somewhere almost immediately and you look at the Denver Broncos, they're now all in. And I spoke to Sage Rosenfels, who played in the NFL, played the quarterback position. He brought up a really great point that you're now dropping Russell Wilson into the same offense that turned Aaron Rodgers into the MVP the last two years. And now Aaron Rodgers has always been a great player, but he's played some yeah. of the best football of his entire career in this system, in this offense. Now you get Russell Wilson in that same mode with, I'd argue, comparable, if not more explosive, weapons in Denver. But boy, oh boy, the NFC West and the gauntlet to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, if you're trying to get to a Super Bowl out of that division and out of that conference, you'll have earned it because you also have to go to Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr in the division. Joe Burrow is on that side of the bracket as well. So Russell Wilson lands in a great spot and a great system, but it's going to still be an uphill trek to get to the Super Bowl, that's for sure. All right, back to the combine for a moment. Uh, a guy that I was impressed with in 19 didn't play against Penn State in 20 because he was hurt, then played this year and was phenomenal, was Aiden Hutchinson. So I had a good, long look at him uh, two of the last three years. Uh, I know he impressed everybody at the combine. What was your take? Yeah, I think this kid is solidifying his case as the number one overall pick in the draft. I think that he's a guy that not only has all of the tools, he's a high-motor player. I've had some people compare him to a Jared Allen type, um, maybe even a, a, a touch below a T.J. Watt in terms of upside. And you look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars did yesterday by tagging um, Cam Robinson, their offensive tackle, 
they're basically signaling they're going to lock up their offensive line they have intact, and they're going to be looking at the defensive end spot. And you talk to people inside the league, and they're significantly higher on Aiden Hutchinson than they are guys like Thibodeau and the rest of the rushers. So uh, I think that Aiden Hutchinson should probably um, think a, a suit and combination in teal and black because that's going to be where he's headed. Well, Thibodeau stopped at the combine. I mean, he, he lifted 27. He ran, ran a yep. great time, and then stopped. Uh, how much do do NFL people, he's a great talent, but how much do people take that into account? Yeah, I think that that reinforced what some people have already been saying and thinking and believing about Kayvon Thibodeau because there's been some skepticism about third downs in Oregon. There have been some whispers about his work ethic and, and just how hard he works. Uh, but I don't know, Steve. I, I watch the film. I, I see an explosive pass rusher. I see a guy who is best in class in terms of his skill set. into an NFL building with NFL coaches, and he's going up against the best players in the world. I just get the sense Kayvon Thibodeau is going to rise to the occasion. But I will tell you, the perception of Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau couldn't be more stark in terms of how different they are inside the NFL. Right. And see, Thibodeau, I never saw in person, Matt. So, I, Hutchinson, obviously, I have for obvious reasons broadcasting the Penn State games. But uh, when I've seen Thibodeau just on TV, when he go, when he wants to go, he does go. I mean, somebody's going to get a good player by getting him, even though he's got these questions about it, at least I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that when you look at Hutchinson and the track record, it, it, it speaks for itself. And, you know, I've seen, I, I watch a lot of Big Ten football myself, a Penn State season ticket holder would know well. I've seen a lot of Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. I've seen that he could be a complete game wrecker, and I think that the Jaguars or whoever wind up taking him are going to be quite happy with that selection. Teams set up their draft, at least in my opinion, by how they handle free agency. You can kind of get a, at least I get a gauge as to what they're going to do in free agency. You talked about, for example, you know, uh, what the Jags did with uh, Robinson at offensive tackle as a sign. Uh, who do you expect to be active in free agency and why? Yeah, I think you have to look at teams that have a lot of money and some very obvious needs. I think that you look at a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, they're coming off of a Super Bowl, but they have something like $48 million in cap space. You saw that Joe Burrow was sacked more than any quarterback in the league. I'd expect them to be in on all of the top offensive linemen. I mean, I think they're going to make a strong play or one of the top tight ends, whether that's Zach Ertz or Evan Ingram, uh, to continue to surround Joe Burrow with weapons. And a similar argument can be made for the Los Angeles Chargers being hyper-aggressive because they keep adding weapons around Justin Herbert. You saw yesterday they decided not to tag Mike Williams, the star wide receiver. They locked him up long-term, kept his cap hit relatively low. I think they're going to be big spenders. And I think that, you know, you look at some of the other teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like we talked about in the draft. Trent Baalke, I think, is starting to feel some of the heat based on the perception of him around the league. Doug Peterson making his arrival in Jacksonville is going to want to make a big splash in year one. And they have a young quarterback as well. So that window, Steve, you talk about, you know, winning while your quarterback is still cheap. They also have to keep Trevor Lawrence happy after all of the drama last year surrounding Urban Meyer. Yeah. So if I were handicapping the teams that are going to be the most aggressive, I'd start right at the top with the Bengals, Chargers, and the Jags. 
People are going to ask, obviously, in their, our area about the Steelers. Uh, they have an interesting situation with Ben Roethlisberger now retiring. They've got Watt. They've got Hayward. So what do you, and of course, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> so what do you think about the Steelers, who have never really been tremendously active in free agency? What do you think their approach needs to be? I think they need to solidify quarterback position first and foremost, right? Because you've seen what that defense with Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and the playmakers that they have at all three levels. You can win with McTomlin. There's a lot of consistency there. Quarterback's top of the list for the Steelers. And two names to watch, in my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo out of San Francisco. I think he can be had for a second-round pick or a third-round pick plus a couple of players. I'd expect to be really involved there. And kind of out of left field, and I don't know that the Steelers have the draft capital to make this trade happen, but if Deshaun Watson's name is cleared, if he's cleared of all of the criminal wrongdoing of these allegations, and if the family and Mike Tomlin are comfortable with selling Deshaun Watson to the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base, if they're comfortable with just eating an eight-game suspension next year, knowing they'll probably have traded their first-round pick as part of the package, I don't know that there's a better than Deshaun Watson, who is a top-five quarterback when available. You can drop into an offense with a Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, a Najee Harris, and a Pat Fryermuth. So I think quarterback needs to be top priority because the Steelers need to keep up in that arms race in the AFC. All right, so then say, for example, that doesn't come to fruition. Now let's go with the stopgap guy. Is Teddy Bridgewater, for example, the kind of stopgap for a year or two? Yeah, I think there are a lot of those guys. If you're comfortable with Mitchell Trubisky, you know, and, and there's a belief inside that Mitchell Trubisky is going to cash in on a $10 to $15 million a year contract as a starting quarterback in this league. If you're comfortable with Mitchell Trubisky being a guy that, um, can perform in Pittsburgh. You think it was just an issue with uh, bad coaching and a bad system in Chicago. Mitchell Trubisky could make some sense there. Teddy Bridgewater makes some sense there. You look at Carson Wentz, it really sounded at the Combine like Chris Ballard has completely devalued Carson Wentz, completely is ready to move on. If Carson Wentz is available, I think Steelers would be wise to go after him. So uh, it's going to be fascinating. There's going to be a lot of names flying around, and um, I think the Steelers are going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch on the quarterback market. So let's flip it to the eastern half of the state. The Eagles made the playoffs last year. They have committed to Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They made a really good pick, which everyone, you know, let's face it, I think we all thought Devontae Smith would be a really good pick. Uh, they've got an offensive line where they can run the football. So what are their needs that maybe they should think about in free agency before they then get to the draft? Yeah, I think the Eagles are one of those teams with a decent amount of money to spend. I think that they need to look at the wide receiver position, obviously building around Devontae Smith. I, I wouldn't rule out an Allen Robinson as a name yeah. on their radar. I think that he could wind up being a really great fit for Nick Sirianni's style of play. I think you always have to look at defensive backs in Philadelphia. Darius Slay is a nice piece, but I think you need to keep adding around him. And, you know, the offensive line, losing Brandon Brooks, I know they've drafted really well. And they seem to have a great system in terms of developing young players to step in and replace them. But I think the Eagles are going to be fairly active in the offensive line this offseason as well. Oh, very interesting. All right. Very, very interesting. Give me a player in this draft 
or like a couple players in this draft that are a little under the radar, but you think they have the kind of game that translates to the NFL? Oh boy, Steve, you caught me here in a bit of a bind. I've been so all in on free agents. That's okay. I, 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 no, I no, haven't okay. really. No, no, let's, okay. So let's okay. Let me let me flip the question around. Let's be more fair to you as the guest. Give me a couple names in free agency that may be under the radar that you think can help a team somewhere that may be a little under the radar and not the big flashy name that people look at. So let's let's go yeah, with that I, route. Sure. I think that Rasul Douglas, former Philadelphia Eagle and former, uh, soon to be former Green Bay Packer cornerback, I think that he's a guy that's going to cash in. And if you talk to agents and coaches around the league, he's in line for a really strong market. I think he'd be a name to watch. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, I think, is a lot. People view him a lot higher inside the league than fans and media do. And I'll give you an offensive lineman, Lucas Patrick from the Green Bay Packers. Um, obviously, they're all in on Bakhtiari. They have a, you know, a lot of money they've spent up front. They now have a lot of money committed to uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams playing on the tag. But he's a guy that you know, only allowed one sack all last year. He can play all three interior positions along the line. For a team that needs an offensive lineman, I think Lucas Patrick will be a name to watch. And um, you know, I think that Shadobi Awuze is going to be an interesting name. Excuse me, Devontae Casey out of the defensive back, I think that he's a guy that's going to have a pretty yeah. strong market as well. Glad you mentioned Douglas because I felt once he got to Green Bay, he made enough big plays that swung games for them, really starting with that Arizona game, and seemed to keep it up all season long. I think he, you're, I think you're right, Matt. I think he brings some value to the table for any team trying to sign him as a free agent. For sure, and the expectation is that he's going to be playing elsewhere, and I was told earlier this week that uh, the Packers hadn't even engaged in any sort of negotiations with Rasul Douglas. Now, I know that they're getting healthy at the cornerback position. I know they're going to have a lot of money tied up in Rodgers and Adams. Uh, but the expectation of my sources is Rasul Douglas will be available, and I think there's going to be a strong market for him as one of the rising cornerbacks who seems to have found second life in his career. The uh, I, Very quickly, I think getting Alexander back probably is the, the key to what their thought process is because he missed a lot of time this past season. For sure. Yeah. Matt, absolute pleasure. Uh, hope this isn't the last time we have you on. Uh, we'd like to have you back. It's a question whether you want to be back. <laughs> so. State College is near and dear to my heart. Dave. Always happy to come on. So, so thank you for having me. 